Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Just Riding Along Show for 2021. Tonight's show is the Christmas Question Spectacular. Kenny is still on other adventures, so we're each going to give a quick tidbit of what we've had going on, and then... As we already mentioned, it'll be the Christmas Question Spectacular. Please stop doing that. So, for me, I've been riding my bike more. I know that's kind of a runny theme, but I'm still doing it. Ooh, go me. Um, been riding the bike indoors and outdoors, and I rode my single speed two days in a row, and it made my legs go ouchy. So, with that said, I bought an easier gear to go on my single speed, and it's going to be awesome. What gear did you get? I don't feel like explaining math to people, so I'm not even going to tell them. All right. Because math on single speed gears are too hard for people to understand math. You have to put it in terms of 32 because people understand 32 by. Yeah, I'm going to run a 3222 nominally. Right. See, that's all you got to do. All right. You want me to go? Chicken nugget. With my only thing is going to be because everything else has been pretty normal. I'm going to give you a chicken nugget. I should make a soundbite that's just like rooster crowing and then you cussing <laughs> that like leads into the chicken nugget segment of the show. Well, the other day I went into the chicken coop. The chickens had roosted, <clears throat> which means they were basically in bed for the night. Yeah, they were all cuddly wuddly in bed. Yeah, so they get up on a stick high above the ground and they sleep there for the night and they do it right around sunset every single night. It's just chicken instinct. So the chickens had roosted. I went into the chicken coop to collect eggs. The nesting area where the eggs are is under the roost. It's covered from the poop that comes off the roost. But um, So I have to like stick half my body under the roost area. And while I'm under there, I hear a thump right over my head. And it is Amos, the rooster, coming down off of the roost to kick my ass. And I get my egg. And I like, as I am walking, kind of like take a step towards the door of the chicken coop, Amos comes off the roost and he's got his little, if you can imagine the, from Jurassic Park, those little spitting dinosaurs that like flare their neck kind of feather thing out and then spit on you. That's what roosters do when they're mad. They flare their neck feathers out and they come at you. And so he comes out of the coop and I'm kind of like kicking at him and like backing up and I get out of the coop and he stands in the door of the coop and then hops out and stands basically like the door of the coop and the gate into the chicken yard or right next to each other. They share a corner. And he stands there and doesn't want to let me out. If I get close to the gate, he hops at me and kicks at me and he can jump to like chest level. So He'll eventually, like, if you're trying to kick at him at rooster level on the ground, he'll jump over your leg and drop kick you from the waist up. And so he started doing that. And so we just, like, got in a... I got in a fight with the rooster. I just had to keep kicking at him until I basically scared him enough that he went back into the coop. I don't know. We ended up on, like, the opposite end of the chicken yard together. And I'm sure Matt Matt was refinishing a butcher block. 
while we were while this was going on. So he was outside sanding on stuff, and I don't know if he just looked across the yard and saw me trying to kick the chicken and the trying the chicken trying to kick me. No, no, I I was wearing ear protection and a respirator and was going. Yeah, with a sander. So yeah. I'm just, this chicken and I are kicking at each other all around the yard until eventually like, I kind of made contact enough that it, it pulled a tail feather out, and I think it hurt a little bit, because he then like, walked back into the chicken coop with my encouragement. Like, I could walk towards him, and he would actually like walk away from me instead of trying to come at me and attack me. So that was my chicken nugget, is that Amos and I got into a fight, and I won. I don't know if he still remembers, but I do. Newsflash, 135-pound woman can kick 12-pound rooster's ass. Look, he doesn't even weigh 12 pounds. He probably weighs 12 pounds. He's big. He's a giant motherfucker. Anyway. So question time. Let's get those All popped right. open and let's get after them. As usual, we will start with questions from Patreon. Hit so hit. Lucy has a question that we're going to wait for Kenny on because it's very specialized heavy. So, yes. Lucy, have no fear. Lucy Stool. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lucy, we will get to this question because it is very specific about a frame issue with some specialized bikes. We're going to go to... Uh, this is from Dustin Nassis. Dustin Nassis from Bug Tussle, Texas. <laughs> I don't. That gives me a mental image of fighting with a bug. Does it do that for you too? I imagine a beetle, no, I just, like having I to just tussle with like, a beetle, arm wrestle a beetle. I or feel something. like it's a swampy lowland area, and there's like lots of mosquitoes, like giant mosquitoes. No, no, not giant ones. <laughs> oh, blessings from Taco. There's just a lot of them. You're okay. just like you're like man. I feel like I'm tussling with bugs every time I'm down here. All right, so Dustin Nasses. I don't even think this is a question. It's just kind of a stream of thought. But we'll... This is more of a qu statement than a question, but here we go. Yeah. Matt, it was great to hear about your new job at Jensen as their discount Niner Bike Sales Ambassador. In hard times like this, it's important we all support internet sales in every way we can. Now, if you could just convince Andrea to perform bike maintenance via Zoom, I'd be set. Bike life hack, red Loctite on every fitting, including threaded bottom brackets can prevent 97% of all creaking. Here's a couple of trainer miles don't count dollars for Nugs and a Tall Boy. Dustin Nasses from Bug Tussle, Texas. All right. I don't even know what to think about that. Um, for the record, I most certainly do not work for Jensen. <laughs> uh, just to clarify that, I am not employed by Jensen or any of its subsidiaries. Well, all right. And um, I'm not in sales. You know, I've I've had you're not the first person. I know this is kind of a joke quest or a statement question thing. I know that I've had a couple of people say before I could probably charge to do Zoom like over Zoom bike repair. And I've kind of tossed the idea around in my head, but I mean just the the large discrepancy in people's mechanical abilities makes that a large liability. So I don't think that I would do it. If there was, I don't know, maybe a shop to consult with where they've already, if they hire, you know, they have a mechanic and they want to learn how to do something. That's called, that's called. Consulting. Uh, no, that's uh, uh, 
it's a a SRAM virtual shop visit. Yeah, yeah, like SRAM does that for all SRAM stuff, and I would highly recommend if you are in a shop, um, you can get that service through SRAM, and I would highly recommend that if any bike company or bike parts company offers that sort of thing you should definitely do it get it straight from them because they're going to know all the little unwritten tips and tricks too so i don't think i'd do it personally but there are avenues for you to get that if you work in a shop and red lock tight on every fitting sure don't do that ready for the next one yeah good old super fan frank he says, I wanted to send a note. Oh, uh, I just saw this. Patreon was uninstalled from my phone. Oh, um, so let's get into the question part. So if you're going to build a trail bike for everyday use and all-day adventure, budget aside, what frame fork shock would you use? Drivetrain and brakes are pretty personal, and I think Matt and Andrea mostly know what direction I'd go there. Um, you'd run GX AXS with Hope Brakes, I'm assuming. Hope Brakes? Really? Frank would. Frank has hope stuff. He okay. likes it. All right. It's. Mm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give okay, you. Okay. Are you talking about every day, everyday use, and all day adventure wear? That's the big thing. Well, it's Frank, so that's going to be yeah, so Minneapolis. We need through to operationally define that. Minneapolis through Duluth with the very. You know, he now has a son, so it's going to be the occasional. As in, let's say we go back to the before times. It'll be like a yearly. You know, every other year trip out west to go mountain biking. And, you know, maybe with having young ones around, it might become more of like a rent-a-bike situation. Maybe just for the sake of like you have an extra human with you, they're going to need more stuff. It might make more sense to do like a week-long family vacation with two days of rental riding instead of lugging a bike around the whole time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you also, you don't have, if you take a bike on vacation, a lot of people live someplace where bike theft is not a very common thing. As you get to areas that are more prominent mountain bike destinations, and I would say like... Well, I mean, Frank lives in Minneapolis. Yeah. Like, he knows about theft. Right, right. But a lot of people don't. There's especially people who live in... I've seen this a lot just because I'm members on some Arkansas Facebook group still for mountain biking. People in Arkansas don't realize that when you become a mountain bike destination, you also become a, a destination for people who steal mountain bikes. So if you are going to a destination for mountain bikes, you have to keep your bike inside your car or inside your hotel room. Um, and if you don't have room for that in your car, you can't just leave it on the on the rack. Yeah, locked on the rack is still free for the right person. Right, so right. not to get too deep in the weeds there, I yeah, just want to like, I'll throw my quick two cents in. I think a big problem is like sprinter vans are really popular now. And it's so easy for like, you're from nowhere, Missouri, right? Like, no one knows that bikes are nice in your town, right? So you can go to, like... You, you can, can leave your bike on the rack at Walmart without a lock. Or you could, like, get lunch. You could take your bike to work and leave it on the lot, lot at your office or something, right? But then you come to, like, mountain bike capital of the world. I'm going to say whatever city believes that's them because there's <laughs> a lot that think it's them. And the problem is you'll have... 1900 people there that weekend i'm exaggerating of course and everyone's from out of town and everyone's in a sprinter and it's so easy for someone to grab a bike it goes inside their van they leave town and then when they get home they're just like oh yeah i saw a used bike i couldn't pass up you know so yeah so it's really 
you have to like factor in that people people are terrible and it's just more that those people get to disappear right they don't right. it's not like it's your neighbor that's going to like roll it out of their garage and load it on their bike rack a week later and be like hey uh, no i bought a tall boy in yellow with a scratch right there right sorry we got on that tangent with your question frank so I'm going to give you my answer. I think Matt's de- description was good. So the Minnesota, what? where did you say? like So Duluth? Minneapolis through Duluth and everything in between. So we're going to pedal. We're going to jump a little bit. We're not going to have 2,500 foot descents unless we're on vacation. And I think if I had to buy a bike for that tomorrow, I would either buy a YT Izzo or I would buy the new Rocky Mountain Element. I didn't get to ride one yet, but I did assemble some of those the other day. It's part of the way. Our local Rocky rep is a good buddy. Hey, Parker. And he's the Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain rep. So he covers the Rocky Mountain territory, more or less. And he came over with his sales fleet, I guess you'd call it. Not a personal demo fleet, but like these aren't the ones that Rocky drives around the van. They're the ones that he takes to shops to try and stuff. And I helped him put some of those together the other day, and then our power went off. He was over here, and I say our, like, power for this area went off. So I didn't really get to play with them too much, because power didn't come back on for, like, five hours. It's not like it went off and then came back on and we got to finish. But I I touched that bike, and I really like it. It has really small tubing. It's really svelte. It holds two bottles in line on the down tube. It is really light. And I think you could do a really good Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, because you could have a, a light tire Fox 34 setup. And then I think, I don't know what Rocky's max fork length is, but you could run another fork with beefy tires. And I think it would absolutely party. See, I would do that bike that you're describing for an all day an adventure bike in Colorado. I think for. Anywhere in the Midwest where the descents are relatively short, let's say like in Arkansas, you know, your long descents, maybe 500 feet of loss. Super rocky for sure, but not for an extremely long period of time. And unless you're going to hit some of the feature heavy areas of the Midwest where there's a lot of man-made stuff, I don't think you're going to want something longer travel. So I would say even smaller of a bike, any of the cross-country slash down-country, I'm using finger quotes, with my (laughs) down-country. All right, don't lie to the people. (laughs) Any of those that have a 120 millimeter travel fork with a 80 to 120 millimeter travel rear end. Somewhere in that category, I think for Midwest riding is going to be I think a little bit more fun, a little snappier, like, you know, the tra- the trails there are built a little bit more. Harder features are that you have maybe tree gates. You may have, I don't know, narrow spots on the trail. You may have tight turns, things like that, um, a little twistier than the kind of wide open mountain stuff we have out here. So I think that a more snappy cross-country style bike with a slightly burlier than one, than a 32 mil stanchion. So anything like a 34, 35 mil stanchion fork bike, I think is going to be the jam. Right. And the new element is only like a half pound heavier. Okay. Like, but it's a, but it's a really slack bike. 
for that stuff I'm talking about, like the if you think of stuff in Memphis, I know I've ridden some in uh, yeah, but he's Michigan. Not, he's not in Memphis, and in well, I wouldn't. I've ridden in Wisconsin, Michigan, that kind of stuff, and I think that a faster handling bike maybe um, is a little bit more fun in that stuff. So that that would be my vote. We just don't agree. It's okay. It's okay. We never agree on this show. I mean, sometimes we do. Go to the next question. <laughs> okay. So we have a wheel question from Patreon member Matt. Am I going to read this? Yeah, you read it. My voice is already getting crackly. I have a 2020 Pivot Trail 429, the V2. I love the bike, and I think it's a good match for my area and my abilities. I live in the southeast suburbs of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and ride places like Lebanon Hills and Carver Lake, plus trips to Cuyuna and Duluth. By the way, I've ridden at Lebanon with Frank. It was fun. Um, I mostly ride for fun, but I've started a few Citizens XC races, and I'm thinking of signing up for one of the short versions of the Lutzen 99er this year. The bike came wheels. The bike came with DT Swiss M1900s, and to catch everyone up, that means it is a very basic alloy wheel with a DT370 three-paw free hub. After two years, I now immensely dislike the 370 <laughs> hub that came with them. I don't need 0.1 degrees of engagement, but these feel more like 90 when I go to ratchet. I'm not a weight weenie, but the bike is about 30 pounds with recon 24s, so being able to trend some weight would be a nice bonus. I'm a little limited on wheels due to super boost spacing. Insert Matt rant here. Nope, not in these times. I, I don't rant about super boost and how fucking stupid it is. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but if one were to still do that, they would go full meltdown about how it most people don't how need a stiffer wheel, especially on a 120 travel bike. But I digress. I've landed on the Industry 9 one of one as a good option. Do you think it would be worth it to go with something like the Noble TR32 or Knox Tiakali versus sticking with an alley option like the i9 Trail S and use the savings on something like carbon bars? Thanks, Matt. Rapid fire. One of ones with Tia Callies, you will never beat. Are the Tia Callies the ones that I have? Nope. You have the Farlow. I have the Tia Cali. I think that you're going to want something wider than a Tia Cali on that bike. Tia Cali's 26 internal? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think that. I don't know that that's going to be what you want on that bike. But. I don't know. We'd have to look up real quick um, the Noble TR32 to see. All right, now that Andrew has edited out all of our uh, digging around to figure things about wheels, for those of you that don't know, Knox Giacalis are 30, 26 internal. The Farlow is 29 internal, but weighs 470 grams. And the Noble TR32 is 26 or 27 internal, because it listed both on their website, um, but it weighs 390 grams. It did list two widths. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, don't tell me no, and then Sorry. look at the webpage that shows two widths. <laughs> So with that said, I don't think the the Tia Cali is going to be it. I think something like the TR32 would be cool. I mean, the TR32 is pretty damn close to the Tia Cali. It's a little bit wider. Just a millimeter. Okay, but it, it, if we're talking from 26 to 27, or 25 to 26, we're talking about 4% wider. <laughs> All right. We If we got super boost to be stiffer, we need 4% wider rims for fucks sure. Okay. Um, Andrew's going to look up Tia Cali 29s. Those are? 26 internal, and they weigh basically the, the same. same. Yeah. So the Tia Cali and the Noble 32 are basically the same spec rim. No, don't, don't scroll. Scroll down. I want to look at the picture. 
they'll give the height of the rim on a picture they have. God, they're the same rim. They're yeah, like they, they're within a millimeter on width and a millimeter on height, millimeter and a half on height. So I'd like the Noble more because it's shallower. It's twenty point five versus twenty two. I really like shallow rims. Yeah, and I'm I'm right on that bus with Matt. So and I'm assuming the Noble. I I'm not gonna go through the trouble of looking because that's just how we roll here. I'm assuming the Noble it might be a little less expensive. No, no. okay, they're the same. They're right. they're the same tier of wheels. You okay. know, they're. They're not Envy's or like Roval's, but then they're not China Carbon. They like fall in that middle ground. They both have lifetime warranty. So I think you'll like it. I just think that what's going to happen is uh, when we talk about saving money on wheels so we can buy nicer bars, that's don't take this the wrong way. It was Matt, right? Yeah. Don't take this the wrong way, Matt, but that's stupid. Buy the really nice No way wheels. he could possibly take it the wrong way if you told him he was stupid. No, no, let me finish. That's stupid. Buy the nice wheels today. And then three months or four months from now, then buy the nice handlebars. It's not like you can buy okay wheels today and carbon bars tomorrow. And then later, for a little bit of money, turn those alloy wheels into carbon wheels. It's really easy to do that to where you make everything a little nicer, but it still sucks. It, you still look at your bike and want to change it. When I say it sucks, finger quotes there, I mean you're still wishing it was nicer. But if you just just do it right, and it sounds yeah. like you want the carbon wheels, so you're going to end up buying them, so just buy them. Yeah, and the one-of-one one hub is good. Great hub. You might, you know, both of those rims, the internal width is a tiny bit on the small side, I think. So maybe look at something that's more in the 30 mil internal range so it's going to be hard to find something that light unless you go to the Bontrager or the specialized rim which I don't know maybe you have access to those that wouldn't be a bad option if you can shell that money out for the custom wheel build that's all I got all right so we we skipped Michael um we answered that question he asked when he's got his Hold mountain on. bike hung up in storage for the winter. Another question from Minnesota. This is important. We got three Minnesotas in a row. <laughs> I'll just read it. Okay. We're in winter these days. And my mountain bike is pretty much stored away until spring. Is there any reason to store it upside down to keep the parts of the fork wet with oil? It's a Fox 34 if that matters. Thanks as always for all the awesome stuff. Mike. I don't remember how we answered this before, but... Uh, like, if, if your seals are already dried up and your oil is kind of old, it's... You're going to end up with crackly, dry seals no matter how you store your bike for the winter. If your stuff's all fresh, it's probably still going to be fresh, you know, when you pull it out of the shop in the spring. And your sealant's going to dry up. He didn't ask about sealant, but don't refresh your sealant and then hang your bike up for storage immediately because you're just going to end up with two dry patches of sealant in your tire. Yeah, and, you know, maybe to refresh what Andrea said, but differently, like, let's say your fork is in good shape. Or, no, I'm going to attack this a different way. You haven't serviced your fork this year, so you should probably get your fork serviced in, when does he say, spring? Like, you should get your fork serviced in, like, late February, before the shops start getting busy for, or mid-February, right? Like, Valentine's Day, I love my bike, I'm going to get it a present, which is fresh fork seals, fresh shock seals, if applicable. And then... Before you ride your bike the first time, turn it upside down. That's really important. You know, the there's those lubricating rings or lubricating wiper. There's the there's foam wipers. There's dust wipers and then foam rings. And the foam rings job is to hold the fork oil 
up at the foam rings. And if your bike was, let's say, like in the riding position all winter, there would be no oil splashed up lubricating those seals when you started to squish your bing bang fork, right? And so if you just flip it upside down before you ride it the first time, it fully soaks your foam rings again. And then when you push on it, it doesn't sound weird the first few times you squish it. Yeah. So right. uh, we got a bunch of questions elsewhere. We do. So we're going to dive in. I'm going to do the form entry. So we haven't answered any of the contact form questions in a while. Um, this is going back to December 7th from Jeff. Oh, God. What? So Jeff already bought this bike. I saw that he bought this. No. Uh, he had a, a, a Facebook post. He woke up and chose violence against his savings account. <laughs> and he bought a brand new stump jumper. And his joke is, is it okay to high post a stump jumper in spandex? Fucking yes. I think that after you ride the bike with a dropper, you'll put a high post on it. And then you'll go, oh, wait, that was actually pretty cool. And you'll probably put it back on. Okay, look, this is my... I was just thinking about this because my single speed, my spot rocker, has the shorty reverb on it, the uh, Explore post, and it has Which travel? 50 mils of drop, Ugh. and I fucking love it. For that bike, it is absolutely perfect, and the reverb being a little on the heavy side, the reverb, the, the Axis reverb is just heavy. We've talked about it before. I would love for that bike, but I am a cheap motherfucker, so I'm not going to do it. I would love to have one of the short travel bike yoke divine posts for that bike. Really for every bike. I don't know. For my trail bike, I feel like there are definitely some places where I like having the saddle all the way out of the way. But man, if you're like I am. Also remember, Andrew's legs ain't that long. Right. If you're like I am and you have done a shit ton of riding and you, like, cut your teeth on the no-dropper-post life with a saddle in your sternum, having the saddle just dropped a little bit makes a huge difference, and it's really nice. I mean, having the saddle dropped a lot is even nicer, but it doesn't feel quite as necessary. Like, there are some people that have always had a dropper-post that wouldn't ride down really steep stuff unless they can drop their post all the way. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you are, like, super high-post, cross-country bro and you want like that middle ground between your high post and your heavier i guess long dropper post try one of the mid-level ones try one of the middle drop like the short drop ones or like a fox transfer sl yeah yeah um, pay a lot of money for a dropper post you're probably going to want at least a little bit of drop because that's a very capable bike so i think that Real fun fact, Andrea's 50 millimeter reverb probably weighs almost as much as my 170 post yeah. in my spot. So, and right. I have long legs and I really like having the long dropper on the, the no, I feel like there's this spectrum where like, as your rear travel increases, you can start losing seat post and then it falls over and then you start needing more seat post again. Like on a hardtail, I want a lot of dropper so I can get the post all the the seat all the way out of the way because my legs have to do it all. Like on a 120 travel bike, I could probably get away with a shorter dropper because the bike's only going to party so hard. But then on like a 150 travel bike, I'm going to want a lot of dropper again because we're going to be fucking sending. So, with all that said, 
that's just my take. I, I think you're going to like it, and I don't think you're going to end up not running it in the future. But I definitely wear spandex because there's no reason to wear two layers of clothes. It's so hot, right? Wear, Unless it's not that hot out. Just wear wear your spandex and don't be afraid. You know, because you're going to have some full face goggle bros on that same bike, and you're going to pass them because you're just you're more aerodynamic. All right, let's. Let's answer another question. Xavier. Hello, it's me again. Full name, Happy Single Speeder. Happy Single Speeder. It's me again. I had a tricked out Elmar with XTR, 120 SID, and carbon everything. I broke its chainstay a few years ago and replaced it with a modern bike. I'm tired of looking at that pile of nice parts from this bike. Rapid Fire, what would you build as a fun screw-around bike with nice yet outdated parts? Would that be a 1x or 2x XTR? Like, Is that a 2x10 XTR? Group. The Elmar was able to be ran with dr- sliders, so I have a feeling it was one by because happy single speeder, and he had XTR. I don't think you would have had XTR two by. I feel like it would have been XTR one by. I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of El Mar- Mariachis, El Mariachis, but they weren't happy single speeders. I know. Okay, rapid fire crave. That would be number one. And then because your stuff here's or that, the, that fuse. No, the fuse won't work. Fuses um what do you call it? Only. Uh, I don't know. Boost only. Oh. So you could look at anything from the salsa family that's updated, like a timber jack or an Esker Hey Duke, because both of those you can run them with non boost wheels. The timber jack you can definitely get quick release dropouts for the esker i do not believe you can get uh i think you can get through axle but they're or sorry i think you can get 12 by 142 but only in through axle i don't think you can get 10 by 135 quick release for that bike so that's something to consider both of those will work and i know that there's the uh l is it the jaffe that's what it is there is the jaffe which is the 29er the jaffe can be is the like 29 medium bike you know but i think given the width of wheels you have and the fork you have and the elmar i think the esker hey duke would be better because it has less bottom bracket drop so when you run standard 29 wheels on it it'll have a higher bottom bracket whereas like with a the with a jaffe it's made for like a 2426 tire if your wheels are narrow you'd probably run like a 23 your bottom bracket gets lower because of the wheels, but on the Hey Duke, it's higher than the Jaffe, so you'd have less pedal strike, so you might like it more. And Tim's a nice dude, so you could buy one of his frames. I would go to eBay or Craigslist and find a matching El Mariachi. Dude, they're so those bikes have a cult following. They're so really? expensive. Oh, yeah. Damn. Oh. I would think I was thinking that would be like a cheap way to go. Like find find your bike but less broken and put all your parts back on it. I know the answer. Go to Bikes Direct and grab any bike that your parts fit onto. And then what you can do is take all the parts from that bike and sell those on like your local Craigslist for like $200. Just be like, frame everything but the frame from this bike. Headset, wheels, everything, $200. So, um, next question. Because that was rapid fire and we're done. You didn't rapid fire, I did. I'm not very rapid. Brad. Brad. Oh my God, I had the craziest dream last night. I woke up at 4.30 a.m. and couldn't fall back to sleep. 
well, that's a running thing around here. I noticed a new just riding along on my phone. Part of the podcast was a mini rant about how people are trying to stick tools in various little holes in their bikes. I think I listened to the whole show. Usually it puts me right to sleep. Eventually, I fell right to sleep and dreamt that Matt, Andrea, and Kenny, and some of my friends, and I were on a bike tour of Vermont, and the three of you had rented bikes from a bike shop in Williamstown, Massachusetts. The rental bikes came with a bunch of tools wrapped in a white athletic sock with two baby blue strips at the top strapped underneath the seats of your bikes. Matt was really unhappy about it, so all three of you started frantically trying to put tools from the sock into the little holes in your bikes, and it's not going well. Then Coney comes up with an idea and magnetizes everything and sticks all his tools onto the inside of his disc brake rotors, and you were all good to go. I'm going to have to try that later today, winky face. Love your podcast, Brad. So, Um, wait. I have a question. I mean, I have lots of questions, but my first question is, when Kenny magnetizes things... Is he no, able? No, no don't no, ruin it. Is Kenny he able to do this? Is he like Magneto from the X Men? Does Kenny have this ability in your dream to just wave his hand and shit's fucking magnetized? Um, no, Kenny hotwired the pump out of his fupa <laughs> or the battery out of his fupa pump or fumpa. It, there's a fumpa. Fumpa. A fupa is something different. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet there's some uh, crossing of those Venn diagrams though. Probably. Yeah, does he have something that I, creates magnet, or does Kenny himself create magnet? Nope, we don't need to know. <laughs> we don't need to know. Uh, don't ruin it. Just, I think Kenny passed it through his full face helmet, and it was magnetized. It's just how it be. So, like, his helmet can magnetize things. Ah, uh, I think it's shielded. You don't know, like, because it happens behind the helmet. Does he, like, breathe out the magnet? Is it, like, <laughs> is it being close to Kenny's lips magnetizes you? I don't know. I don't know. So, I'm just really glad that we got the. This is the thing that I really like, is the oddity was two baby blue stripes on the socks. But there was no mention of our clothing, which implies we were wearing normal clothes, which makes me glad Brad was dreaming about us with our clothes on. Sure. Yeah. So. I mean, he might have just been embarrassed. Like, we might have all been naked. And he might have just left that out because, I mean, that would have been weird. So, like, if you're naked and then you have your shoes on, you know how you seem more naked than being (laughs) fully naked? I wonder if the same goes for a full face helmet. If you are fully naked but wearing a full-face helmet, does that make you more naked or less naked? I don't know. We'll have to ask Kenny. I'll try it later. <laughs> um, what, what's another one? Let's go. We got one more. All right, from Kyle. He says, with Shimano 12-speed parts still pretty scarce, do you guys have experience running an aftermarket 12-speed chain on Shimano? In the 10-speed days, I used lots of KMC chains to good success. Have yet to try 12. Thoughts or experiences would be appreciated. Similarly, I've seen a few folks locally moving to micro shift and box component drivetrains. I've always associated these with the Sheldon Brown Rivendell types. Has Kenny seen an uptick of interest in the non-S branded drivetrains for a more recreational rider? I'm not interested in the newest tech. I can see the appeal if it works well. Just a couple of things I have thought about on the old trainer ride last night, Kyle. I can actually go rapid fire this time. 10-speed days were Wild West. You could do whatever the hell you wanted to do, and it didn't really matter. 12-speed is a lot more particular to its setup, so I don't believe you're going to see proper shift quality, mixing and matching, a non-Shimano chain, 
into a Shimano drivetrain. And I'll come back and tell you why in just a second. Box components and micro shift. I know somebody that really wanted box to work for them. And they kept breaking shift cables. And I rode their bike. And new cable, new housing. The bike, it, 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 the dude wasn't joking. He was like, it hurts my thumb to ride. And just riding the bike around, you'd be like, that's really hard to shift. And this dude is the kind of dude that would probably pick up a transmission. <laughs> yeah. And like it said it hurt his thumb to ride. So um, I'm not really... I hate to sound like this. I like SRAM more than Shimano, but I think it's really hard for anyone to break into that space because of the, I think a a good way to think of it is, is there's generational knowledge wealth within those two brands. And it's really hard for someone to break into that space because they won't have that generational wealth of knowledge. So that's just something to consider. Now, when we talk about chains, Shimano and SRAM, they have a fundamental difference in the way that their rear derailleur pulleys function. And the functionality difference of the pulley changes the way that the chain works. And if I'm wrong on this, it's only to a degree, so please forgive me, but a Shimano pulley set is... The pulleys are both directional and location-specific. A SRAM pulley is only rotational. You can run any SRAM pulley in any location, as long as they're the same size. I think there were some derailers where they were different sizes, maybe. Or some old, like, X9s had that weird offset one, remember? But, like, the pulley itself functioned the same. On a Shimano, they have a guide pulley and a tension pulley. The guide pulley is the upper pulley that lives closest to the cogs, and the tension pulley is the lower pulley wheel. And the big difference there is the tension pulley functions just like a SRAM or Campagnola pulley, and it does not have any movement in the pulley. The guide pulley has the tiniest bit of slop in it, meaning like lateral movement in and out. And what that means is the Shimano chain can be very stiff. Imagine, you know, your chain, if you if you held your chain, you could hold it one way and it would fall down. And if you turn the chain up on its side, you know, in the way that it doesn't bend, it would stick out and then you'd hold it just wrong and it would like fall over, but it would like stick out, right? The Shimano chain is going to be very stiff in terms of like how much arc is in the chain. And the SRAM chain is going to have a little bit more play in the chain itself because it doesn't have that floating guide or yeah, guide pulley. Um, and what that means is if you run a non-Shimano chain in a Shimano system, all those non-Shimano chains will most likely be made to that more flexible tolerance because they need to function with SRAM and Campy. And what you'll find is your shifting is going to be a little bit sloppy. Now, personal preference, you might not notice. However, that's this is really... I know that I'm going to say this. Matt's on that rapid fire again now. No, no. I could rapid fire all the stuff up to this, but this is really important to explain. And again, if I missed a little part of it, I don't want to get in trouble. The The thing that's that's important here is that the chains function. Well, the, the Shimano chains, chains are directional and SRAM ones aren't. Well, but also like Shimano and SRAM chains and pulleys have a fundamental difference in the way that the chain and 
the chain and pulley have different jobs in the drivetrain. Where like in a Shimano one, it adds a little bit of play into the system, a little bit of lateral play. In SRAM, that's all done in the chain because the pulley is fixed. So you're going to see some differences there. And that's why I think running same-same is going to be, you know, most best. All I was going to say is if it's wear your entire drivetrain out because you can't get a Shimano 12-speed chain or change to a KMC chain, go ahead and do the KMC chain. It's going to shift. Like Matt said, it may not shift the same or as well, but I think a Shimano 12-speed drivetrain with a KMC 12-speed chain will still shift better than a full box or micro-shift system. Preach. Also, let's go... No, let me go to a flip side here, though. If you can buy a KMC chain from your local bike shop or for $15 more buy a Shimano one from Amazon because your local bike shop just can't get them, you're, I think you'd be happy spending the extra 15 bucks. It's just one burger and fries difference. Right. Yeah, so I'd say, you know, if it's a if it's a difference of wearing all of your shit out or not riding, sure, try the KMC chain. But yeah, if you have the choice of a Shimano chain, I'd stick with the Shimano chain. Or you could just go all Eagle AXS XX1 on your bike. Yeah, sure. Is that all the questions? That is all of the questions. We might have, there might have been one on Instagram. Honestly, people, if you message me on Instagram, it's a crapshoot because what happens is if someone replies to an Instagram story, which a lot of times we'll have, we'll post a story and it'll get, you know, 50 or 60 people literally that respond with like a smiley or a fire or a 100 or something like that so your question that you messaged to us gets bumped way down so what andrew is really saying is she needs to build an excel spreadsheet to like dump questions into as she sees them well no because a lot of times i see them like i'll be at the grocery store and i'll look and oh there's an instagram question for jra so look if you've sent us a question on instagram either to my personal account or to the Just Writing Along account or to Matt, and we haven't gone through it because we try to get to... We're not like one of those podcasts where you answer, you ask a question and we just ignore you. We try to answer everyone's question. So if try. you have messaged us on Instagram... Wait a second, wait a second. We try to acknowledge. We don't answer anything. Right. <laughs> so if you've messaged, especially the Just Writing Along account on Instagram... And we just haven't answered your question and it's been a while, please go to the justwritingalongshow.com website and ask in the contact form. Because what I can do is go to Gmail, where that forwards to, and search new form entry, and your question pops up right there in the email. It's really easy for me to find. Either that, or if you are one of our patrons, you can send us a me message through Patreon. That's another really good way to have your question answered. So contact form, Patreon, those are the best ways to go. Um, if I post a picture on Instagram with a give me your questions, that's also another really good way to go. So I know we have a few that are still floating out there and we'll get to those next time. But I'm saying if you specifically sent us a message on Instagram, uh, try one of the other ways because your message might have gotten lost and I'm very sorry. Right. The takeaway is there's like, you know, 
with other let's say like real work like real working inboxes you can't sort an instagram inbox you know right. you can't sort by did they ask a question you can't. yeah is it a regular message or did you reply to a story like if there was a way to to separate those two in the inbox it would be way better but i can't do that right it's not a working platform it's a social platform so right all right well that was a wonderful 40 something minutes of listener questions are you ready to shut it down that concludes the Christmas Question Spectacular. Fuck you. <laughs> Good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your great